Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all the chapters on Shonen Jump's Viz website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week we read My Hero Academia Volume 6 because you can't stop us. But before that, we read what I thought was a very good Shonen Jump. Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff at the bottom, again, I always, but, you Even know. The, most of that I liked more than normal this week. But we will get to that later. First, we have to start with Demon Slayer Chapter 183, A Clash of Wills. Kevin, like always, I'll start with you. What did you think of Demon Slayer this week? I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah, the art I thought was a really muddy for Demon Slayer. Or maybe not muddy, but the action was a lot harder to follow. When normally Demon Slayer is impeccable about that. There also isn't a ton of action. Like, I, I guess there is, but I know what you mean. I don't mean the fighting even, but like the physical movements. Yeah. Like, I, I get what you mean. So that's why I was... I kind of it's pretty good. So we have some of the other Hashira, or I guess they had already shown up, and so basically Muzan is like, "Oh no, this kid's taking control of this demon," and so Muzan instead decides to just kill the Biwa demon off, and uh, the guy's like, "Oh no, if he does that, we're all going to die," because they're like underground, I guess, or deep inside, something like that. Well, I mean, they pop out of the ground. That's true. At the end, so like, I'm I'm guessing they were underground and they knew that. And he's like, "Oh no, the Bewa demon's like dying. I've got to like maintain control long enough to get everyone outside. Otherwise, Muzan is going to be the only one that lives." And then Tanjiro throws his sword at Muzan's head, and it's cool, but I'm not really sure. I think he throws a different sword at okay because it's broken, and I don't remember his sword being broken. He's definitely taking a lot of attacks, but like I said, the action is hard to follow Yeah, in this chapter. Like I said, he does throw a sword. I got that. But I think it's one of the other Demon Slayer's swords. Okay. Because the there tip, are a lot of dead Demon Slayers around. Yeah, the tip is, like, missing. And from my recollection, I don't think Tanjiro's sword is broken at the moment. Okay. But yeah, not a bad chapter, just... Like I said, I liked kind of everything in Shonen Jump this week, but for Demon Slayer, it was not really playing to Demon Slayer's normal strengths. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it, Kevin? Not really, no. Like, I think that kind of sums it up pretty well. It was good, but there are definitely some points where the, like, there's not a really good fight scene panel like there were last week, even. Mm-hmm. Well, that will lead us to One Piece Chapter 962. Daimyo and Vassals. What did you think of One Piece this week, Kevin? Again, pretty okay. Like, I enjoyed some of the flashback stuff, but it kind of had me confused on some things. Like, oh, we're building the... Because I was doing research, we're building the Nine Red Scabbards as Odin kind of ran around... Uh, and they ended up just, like, following him. But I kind of wonder how Dogstorm and the cat one that I can't remember his name get involved. Well, they were on Roger's ship, and we know Odin is also on Roger's ship at some point. Okay, is that? Okay. Yeah, that has been established. That That's where they meet. I'm I'm sure that was. I just, I had forgotten. Something about One Piece this week really got to me, and I don't 
really know what it is because it's basically the turn you expect the flashback to take. Yeah. Where Odin goes to this wild area, basically, where there are all these bandits and monsters. And because he is strongest, he conquers it and he gets undisowned and yeah. named the daimyo of it. Well, because he not only does he conquer it, he kind of like teaches them how to better themselves. Yeah. Through strength kind and- of thing. Yeah, like very much martial arts as Zen sort of thing. Yeah. And something about it just really, really worked for me. And I can't really place my finger on it. I really liked One Piece this week. And again, it was more or less what I expected from One Piece. And I haven't super liked this flashback arc, but just something about all of it. I got you. Really landed for me, especially with all the reverence all his vassals show for Odin and him being like, well, I don't want some stuffy nobles to be my vassals. Obviously, it's going to be you guys. And we already know that part of the story. Yeah. But something about the way it's executed, I don't know. It really got to me this week. Yeah, and it just, it didn't for me. So, like, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like, all right, yeah, this is, like, more beat on the flashback thing. And that's really how I felt about it. Anything else you wanted to say about One Piece? Nope. Well, that will bring us to My Hero Academia number 250 ending. Weird way for My Hero Academia to end when it's on such a high, huh, Kevin? Yes. With the season of the anime? I mean, I really didn't see that coming. No. So uh, Endeavor has a Joker, it turns out. Yes. He wants Endeavor to kill him because he is the Joker? Well, initially he wasn't. Like, it honestly seems like he, before he actually says that, it seems like he wasn't the Joker. Like, he was just some crazy person. You know, the uh, Endeavor kidnapped me, now I'm going to... I broke out and I'm going to take him down kind of thing. But he's got kind of that stain thing going on of like, only All Might is good enough to kill me. Whereas this guy's like, only Endeavor is good enough to take me down. Yeah. And he's got very specifically Dark Knight Returns Joker vibes off, especially in the final panel of this chapter. Yeah. Also, he kidnapped Endeavor's kind of crappy son, Toya. Yeah. We didn't mention him at all. And by kind of crappy, we mean he has no backstory and he doesn't like Endeavor. Yeah, well, uh, that's totally fair. But he is, uh, none of, Statistically, none of Endeavor's sons like Endeavor. So. None of Endeavor's children, any uh, of them. His daughter seems to be trying real hard, at least. Well, and Shoto's doing better. Like, the family is starting to turn around, but this is the son that's like, no, he's an asshole. Well, Come and- on, man, he's like trying. I don't give a crap. He was an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so the Joker kidnaps Endeavor's crappy son while Endeavor is driving the three of them home, which is a very funny scene. Endeavor is not driving. Oh, that's, I was going to say, he actually has a chauffeur. Yeah. He is, he's like chaperoning? Yes. He's in the passenger seat. Yeah, well, that was one of the things about this chapter that had me laughing was at first I thought Endeavor was turning on and off his mustache fire <laughs> in different panels. Oh, <laughs> because no, he's got him and his chauffeur look very similar. <laughs> I can see that in the face. So I was like, "Wait a minute!" And Today it, I want to be clean shaved. <laughs> <laughs> well, like he's mentioned before that he can turn that yeah. stuff on and off. So I thought he was doing it for as like part of a comedic defect because the chauffeur is like talking in this really, like, impassioned voice, like, I love the Endeavor Agency. And so I thought he was doing a bit, almost. And then I was like, oh, that's another person (laughs) that, to me, looks very similar to Endeavor. I got it from the blocking, but now that you say that, I can definitely see how you make that mistake. Yeah, I I also picked it up, but it was just the... I think also some of it was the fact that uh, they're in Japan, so they're on... Oh, yeah, they're driving on the They're driving on the other side, and Endeavor gets in the normal driver's side for me. So I was like, he's driving the car. 
like, how cool, Endeavor's actually driving you home. And I was like, no, <laughs> Endeavor is having somebody drive you home while being in the car. As a person who flies, I assume Endeavor never drives anywhere anymore. Unless he needs stuff to get there with him. Well, oh, that's fair. But I feel like he has a chauffeur for that. It's yeah. like, you drive my stuff over here. Well, I, I also... I also can understand riding leisurely to work. Yes. Uh, but that's not driving. That's being driven. Yeah. That's what you have a chauffeur for. But I, I also understand that he probably wouldn't drive anywhere thinking about it. But, like, this just always reminds me of the... What's the guy's name? Uh, Ron Swanson character from Parks and Rec. He's got, a uh, like, Ron Swanson's truths. And one of them is, if humans had the... If Americans had the ability to fly, they would call it exercise and never do it. <laughs> I mean, there, that, there's a fairness to that, but also if Americans had a chauffeur, they would never drive anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I never would. Mm. I want those self-driving cars. It's like, my car can drive itself? Excellent. Anything else you want to say about My Hero this week, Kevin? We kind of just talked about the funny bits and not the dramatic bits, but they kind of didn't super land for me. They landed for me, so I, I thought it was pretty good this week. I mean, I like I said, I th- thought everything was good. Yeah. I'm just going to be critical at all of it because of that. Like I said, it's just the Joker, and he works better when he's fighting Batman than when he's fighting Endeavor, I think. But we'll see where this goes. Yeah. So next we have Samurai 8, The Tale of Hachimaru, Chapter 27, Awakening. Thoughts on this chapter, Kevin? Daruma has awakened to his non-cat form. (laughs) That is true. Which is... An anime dude. Which is an anime dude, but I was like, we've seen it before, too. But it's like, this is some cool backstory. And the fact that Daruma has to, like, stab a bit of his old master into his soul, which his master is like, yeah, this might be bad. So, you know, make sure you do it good or make sure you have a good disciple to guard you. So what I'm guessing is going to happen is he's going to revert after this. Yeah. And then Hachimaru is going to be basically alone. For a little bit. Yeah. I assume it'll be more like an Odin sleep situation than a my master is dead situation. No, because they mentioned make sure you have a... A good, but it guy could also just you. be like he's unconscious or unable to move for like an hour. Yeah, it could be that, or it could be several days yeah. or months yes. of him being unable to move. So I guess what I'm saying is, I imagine that there will be a cut to when Daruma is fine after this, whereas the way you made it sound like it'll be a story arc without him, and it could go either way. Yeah, because I can honestly see maybe he's stuck in a mode where he can't move but can still communicate. Yeah, that would be good. And so he's like... They have to yutta him around. Yes. (laughs) And take the room I had to fight this dude. (laughs) That would be pretty good. So this starts out with some giant space fight stuff, and I don't think that's this series' strength. No. I like it conceptually, but it just reminds me of the end of Naruto when everyone's basically in a giant mecha and it loses a lot of the impact. Which is weird since this is being written by the guy who did Naruto, but not drawn by him. But it still has a lot of the same problems, I feel, in the art. Although, lots of speculation is this guy was probably drawing the end of Naruto. So Yeah, well, even then, it's still stylistically influenced by it. Yeah. So, like, even if you have somebody, you know, it's like the difference between having somebody draw this thing versus somebody try and draw this thing. Like, "Ah, it looks kind of the same. Well, yeah, they were going for the same thing, so... But I do agree with you, the space battles haven't tended to work great, but like the personal battles have been 
I think, yeah. really cool. So, And also talking about the action being a little muddled, I had to read the end three or four times when Daruma drops his sword and Hachimaru catches it and throws it back to him. I really like that moment once I figured out what was going on. Oh, I but thought it, Hachimaru was throwing him another hilt. Like, I knew he threw him a hilt. I didn't realize I he I think he catches it. the one that okay. room. I'm pretty sure that's how I, it happens. I, I have no idea. I'm not 100% on it, so. Yeah. So, like you, we said, a little. A little muddy. Yeah. But overall, a pretty good chapter. Which brings us to Act Age Scene 90, Mirror. Which is actually a chapter I didn't super care for. I mean, I like I said, I liked everything in Shannon Jump this week. But Act Age kind of disappointed me this week. What did hmm. you think, Kevin? I actually really liked this one. I really liked the this other guy kind of getting a bit of the spotlight and them mentioning. So initially this guy was kind of typecast as the like calm placid dude until they realized the, like until they realized the true extent of his ability. And he actually then started playing the Yakuza boss, the guy who's just, he could menace you with a peaceful stare. Like he's just so calm and peaceful in any situation that, even if you get angry at him, you just end up being terrified because of it, because he's just like, okay, and? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hate it. I just didn't super care for any of that. What really drives me in Act Age is, like, the emotion and Yunagi's anger has been so strong throughout all this. And so I like the idea in the play of this super calm guy being opposite her, but I didn't feel like it was drawn as well, if that makes sense. Okay. And it's just a weird turn in the play, I think, because we've had Yonagi and Ogami yeah. opposite each other for so long. This I don't want to say this is extraneous because they've been building up that this play has other characters and they need to take the stage. Yeah. But this feels like a weird distraction from the main event in a weird way. I can see what you're saying. Um, I think it's going to like I kind of like this bit of we've been building up these two players and it's like, well, if there are these other people that are also important. So it'll be cool to see how they act. And I, I really liked Yonagi's, not so much the guy being the calm, placid mirror, but the fact, like, I think it was drawn really well that Yonagi started kind of, like, struggling talking with this guy. Like, he's reflecting her rage back at her kind of thing. And I think that was drawn very well. Like, I really got the tension she was feeling during that conversation. That will bring us to We Never Learn question 136, They Who Awaken to X. This is a character of Fumino says, I love you, Yu-Gi-Oh! And Yu-Gi-Oh! says, what? My ears are clogged because they need to maintain the status quo. What did you say? And she's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. A little bit, but like she finally has admitted it to herself, at least. Yeah. I didn't dislike the chapter. I just found that that's like a lame thing, right? Yeah. Especially, it's not like even a car goes by or something funny happens. Yeah. So you guys like, ah, I didn't quite catch that. And not even like a, what, did you think say what I think you said sort of way? Just a, hey, you say something? Nope. Nope. Not yeah. me. I was busy not saying anything. Baka. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is all about Fumino realizing, oh my God, I'm in love with yu gi -Oh. Yep. Which has been obvious for quite a while. So. Or if not in love, at least has a crush on. Yep. And then there was a thing where they hinted at her holding his hand during the firework or the fireworks festival, I think, which is a callback to a part that you haven't read. But during the they have this like school fireworks, not I guess fireworks festival, where a big part of the story arc is 
Yugiya is dressed up in a Sir Meowpoleon costume. Or just he, say, like in a mascot pot costume, like he always is. Yes. But like everyone gets involved in this scheme. Actually, like they, like they usually do. But he is Sir Meowpoleon. So he's Napoleon, but a cat. And he ends up kissing Furunashi in Romeo and Juliet because she's putting on that play. But there's this thing with the, you know, the, oh, there's a, there's a legend about the fireworks festival that if you're holding hands during the big finale that you'll fall in love forever. You know, like a lot of these romance yeah. manga tend to have like, oh, there's the, you know, the high, high schoolers get apparently get all excited about, oh, there's this legend about this thing. It's like, okay, well, I like that's an interesting legend but like the reality is like oh well i mean if you're holding hands at the fireworks festival you're probably dating so you know oh they started about to be yeah i was like oh they started dating <gasps> how weird yeah how weird i don't know i like fumino a lot so they had a thing where yugiya holds somebody's hands during the climax yeah. of the fireworks but festival but we don't who. we don't see who it is and so this might be a hint that it was fumino because there's a bit about hand holding in it yes it might be, or it could be anyone, because the, I doubt he's going to end up with anybody. Yeah. I mean, Kirisu Sensei seems like the likely one lately. Well, this is one of the, so another, it was an anime that I watched, and it's a manga I want to get caught up on, is Quintessential Quintuplets, which is about a dude who is tutoring quintuplets. Sure. And the the whole premise of the show is he's marrying one of them at the very start. But like, you don't know who. You don't know which one it is because they're all quintuplets, so they look the same, and they're older, so you can't like try and infer it because they they're dressed differently. I mean, the show makes it so that like the viewer can easily tell the difference between them. Yeah, but it's clear that like literally the only thing different is the way they dress and their personalities, obviously. But so there was this bit about oh, if you're holding hands during the fireworks festival. And it was one of the, it was kind of like the big season finale ending. And it turned out all five of them were holding his hand during the fireworks <laughs> festival because he got sick. So they were like at his bedside. Yeah. So they were all holding his hand during the fireworks festival. And he's like, oh, I guess that. So they flash forward to the wedding where he's talking to his sister. Uh, and he's like, oh, I guess that legend about the fireworks festival was true. He's like, God damn it. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good troll. That was, that was a very good troll. And so that's why I was like, I, I think this is pretty fun. So that's why I kind of want to read it at some point. Anything else you want to say about my We Never Learn? My We Never Learn? It's my, mine and <laughs> no others. Also, there's a pudding joke. Yes, there is a pudding joke. Like I said, I like, at the very least, Fumino admitting to herself that she loves Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a good bit, and it seems like it's going to dovetail into some other stuff. Well, we have to be getting close to the end soon, because like... It feels that way. I don't think it all get held back a year. Yeah, out of nowhere. <laughs> the plot ghost. That this manga is making too much money ghost. Needs you all to be in high school. I mean, there could be time travel boobs again. They could have to sign high school over because of time travel boobs. Yeah, or they could all somehow end up in college together somehow. <laughs> no, I, I'm imagining a weird thing where they all travel back in time, but they are slightly older and they all have to teach Kirisu. Because they are on their teachers and she is the student. There you go. Last but not least, that brings us to the Promised Neverland, chapter 158, The Reason I Was Born. 
which like One Piece, I kind of saw pretty much coming, but it had a pretty good, powerful effect on me. How did you yeah. think about Promise Neverland, Kevin? All right, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but it's Omai Wa Mo Shinderu, which is the thing from Fist of the North Star. Oh, yeah, you are uh, already dead. You are already dead. And I was like, I, I had that playing in my head <laughs> when that panel was revealed of her being like, no, you're already dead. <laughs> so you, and you imagine Mujikawa doing the, what I can't remember what the attack name is. It's something ridiculous. But a lot of the time, it's not like the meme is not him doing the attack. It's just that line. Yeah. And then the, the sound of the guy just causing exploding. him to exploding, which yeah. she basically does as well. So I was like, yeah, all right. There's some definite fist of the North star vibes there. No, you're already dead. <laughs> oh yeah. So the queen's dead because she ate too much and she can't remember who she is. Cause all the personalities are clamoring for control basically. Yeah. And it was like, this isn't actually a superpower. This is just, you know, the advanced stages of you dying because your cells are starting to mutate beyond recognition. You didn't get an extra. You didn't eat the one-up fruit like Brooke. You ate the horror movie villain. I get one last one after the credits fruit. Well, before you shoot me again. Her two cores would have enabled her to survive. It was the fact that... She ate too much, she specifically. Ate, she ate too much, specifically. Like, she was going to die anyway, and the first core was what caused her to mutate. Yeah. Like, maybe it was the fact that because she had two cores... She could live through she could, all the yeah she could, she'd eaten. Yeah, she could survive, but once one was gone, she was dead. I also like the bits about uh, the... I'm just going to keep calling her the evil-blooded witch, because I... I know her name, but I'd never think, I never I think I pronounce her right. And she's like, you know, I spend a ton of time thinking why I exist and event like she comes up and the answer is I'm here to change the world. Yeah, because I can make it so demons don't have to eat humans and then we can be bros. Well, not just demons don't have to eat humans. Demons don't have to like demons don't have to eat, eat anything. All. That's true. I mean, I think they still have to eat, but like actually I don't know that they do. <laughs> I I don't think they've gone into that, whether they, because the evil blooded, like she mentions, no matter, you know, even if I never ate. So I was like, do, do you literally never need to eat? Because that's, that's a pretty sweet power up. Well, they can just regenerate, right? Yeah. So if they never, you know, if they never need to eat, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked that bit. I liked the, oh, the queen's already dead. Like, that's kind of why she was so calm and relaxed. Like, no, this is already over. I, you're just, I'm just watching your death rows. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about it? I like the chapter. Yeah, I liked it too. All right. So that will bring us into Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank everything we read this week from our least favorite up through our favorite. 19 this week. So what do you have at number 19, Kevin? Tokyo Shinobi. Me too. Hey, Papalion, if you want your uh, if you want Jin to not get in a fight, why don't you, the calm, level-headed person with a crush on him, go? Yeah, instead of Taiga. Sending the, sending the, the Tiger Man. Who also has a crush on him. 
Well, yes. It's a very shonen crush, but yeah. I was like, it's a bro crush. But I was like... Well, everybody loves Jin. He's the best, Kevin. Yeah. uh, Apparently. Mary Jin Su is his full name. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, just no. Please no. What do you have at 18? I have Mentama at 18. This just seemed poor like i don't know i thought it was cute this week i put matama not super high but maybe the highest i've ever put it i don't know i just i didn't like it because it was like i finally managed to i mean i kind of understand but it's like i managed to maintain a human form and somehow i think more of what bothered me is that at the end it was revealed that matama knew the whole time and i was like he's literally been unable to hide his terror like it would have been one thing if there had been subtle signs, yeah, about like him it. Being nervous the entire yeah, time him, or something. maybe if he was like super stiff and nervous, and they just kind of both missed it because Rena was really focusing on whatever the ghost or the spirit's name is. I do not remember. Yeah, whatever her name is. But it was like, but he literally seemed totally fine, and at the end was like, oh my god, I was so scared. Really, you didn't show it, and like we know you're not a good actor. <laughs> I put Dr. Stone Reboot at number 18. I just really don't care for it. And like we've said before, the stakes just aren't there mm-hmm. when we know what's going to happen. And it's just a race against time. We've got to get here. But again, the stakes don't mean anything. Yeah. To me, the only bit that made it go a bit higher than some of these other chapters was where he leaves Ray in the capsule. Yeah. Or even, not in the capsule, in the space station. Even that like, just didn't do anything for me. I it, can definitely see... It did a little bit. I, I can definitely like, see where you're coming from on that. Oh, he had to leave Ray in the station. And then that's actually something that like we weren't aware of. That's true. Like that is a potential plot element that could come up in Dr. Stone. Yeah, they could find exciting. Yeah, they could find Ray. Like that would be sweet. So I was like, oh, he had to leave Ray at the station. That made me feel just a little bit. And it might come back later, which could be cool. So <laughs> like, yeah, all right. This chapter had something. What do you have at 17? 17, I had double Tysay. Double Taisei also went pretty high for me. I don't know. I just, for me, it was like, all right, we need to have a discussion on whether or not Taisei having split personalities is against the rules. What? Oh, I know why it went higher. Did you see the magazine that the Majin is reading? No. It is Perv Magazine, and it has big tits inside. (laughs) Okay, so I missed that gag. It's very good. So there you go. I missed that gag. So Yeah, I can see that. I forgot why I put it so high. It also, I think, benefited from I read this in two chunks, and that was the last thing I read in chunk one. Okay. And I couldn't remember why I put it so high, but now I do. It's because of Perv Magazine. There you go. And there's some other stuff I liked in it, too, that I'll probably talk when we get to where it is on my list. Sure. But yeah, for me, I was just like, all right, so it's the tice. It's we're in the Tendo era. Should we ban him or, you know, should we disqualify him from entering? You literally named the entire, like, group of people that he's with, the Tendo era. You probably shouldn't ban him for having split personalities. Like, A, how would that be cheating? I love the bit where, like, no, we're not going to. We're going to pretend it's a prank until we need a boost in Shogi ratings. And then we will reveal it to see if it will generate public interest. Yeah. But just... It's like he has I, he has split personalities. That's like cheating. No, they're they're both him. It's weird that most of the main cast didn't make pro and therefore like is going to have a weird role. Yeah, going forward. 
But I do really, really like a couple of times in this, they do a bunch of speech bubbles that are the shapes of their heads. They've been doing that, that for a while now. I just noticed it this week. and I really enjoyed that. So I think that also bumped it up for me. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while now. And while I do like that aspect of it, I was like, okay, yeah, so you've been doing speech bubbles that are shaped like their heads because you have them not on panel talking so I can tell who's speaking, which is nice. But, eh. I have Beast Children at 17. It just really didn't do anything for me. Yep. It was a lot of, ah, oh, hey, scrum, rugby, 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 rugby. Yeah, it's my rugby number Rugby training. It's my number 16. I uh, went a little bit higher than Double Taisei because of the beat where it was just kind of the comedy beats of like, all right, you, you're going to be on the scrum team. What? But I thought you said I wasn't going to do it. No, okay, you're tall. You should be in it. And then it, uh, they like kept cutting over to the main character who's just like sitting there like shaking. <laughs> like, I'm not in this chapter. I want in. Yep. And it may, and the coat, the, uh, I guess the coach captain. and the head player, the captain, because I don't know that they have a coach, being like, nah, he'll be fine. No, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. And he's like shaking more. <laughs> and eventually, all right, fine. You can get in. And he's like, all right, don't worry. I got this. Bam. I'm perfect at this. I did like the ending of the chapter, but. Yeah, like I said, that's why I went a little The rest of it, not so much. I put Jujutsu Kaisen at 16. I like a lot of the ideas here with them trying to trap Gojo, basically. With mm-hmm. a bunch of civilians around him. Yep. But, like, it just didn't do much for me. No, there wasn't, like, that was really all that the chapter was, was them explaining, hey, the the trap is Gojo doesn't want to hurt people. Like, that's his whole deal. And if you, like, he doesn't have any precise control. You know, he's a dude with a rocket launcher. Like, it's a really powerful rocket launcher, but it has a ton of collateral damage. So if you literally surround him in collateral, he doesn't want to use it. And then at the turn with him being like, hey, I know you think you're trapping me, but like I'm going to take out this wood guy that I've already fought twice before first. Like, I, you know, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. It's not much higher for me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. Like yeah. I said, I liked pretty much everything this week, but yeah, I know why it's, a lot I know why it's down there. So I have Dr. Stone Reboot at number 15. Like I said, the, the Ray bit made... I was like, I I like that. I have Mitama Secure AT at 15. Again, I thought it was cute. I thought a lot of the jokes kind of landed. Gotcha. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 14. I, I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah. It? I have Act Age at 14. Like I said, I found it pretty disappointing this week. And gotcha. it was a week where I liked most of the chapters. I have Haikyuu at number 13. It's the, the constant problem I have with Haikyuu of like, ah, oh, man, it's like this guy. He's so good, only not. And then... I did like the bit where the main character realizes that his roommate reads Shonen Jump. Yes, that's a good good bit. (laughs) And I also liked his thing of like, he pulls out like his copy of like some volume of One Piece and is like, do you read this? Who's your favorite character? Mine's Zoro. (laughs) And the guy being like, uh, uh, and I was like, I have that feeling, bro. Who's your favorite character? Uh, in which category? (laughs) Like the one guy who's, he's like. Now, what's your favorite video game? I don't know. Can you like narrow it down to a category? Like, can, you can't just ask me what's my favorite video game. It's like, too complicated. Like maybe my favorite fighting game, I could answer. Yeah, you know, oh, what's who's your favorite character in One Piece? Protagonist, villain, supporting character. <laughs> can I label the whole Straw Hats crew <laughs> as my favorite? Usopp, obviously, or Perona. Those are the acceptable answers. <laughs> 
Okay. Oh, was that was thirteen? Yeah. I have Black Clover at thirteen. There's a lot of Black Clover I liked, but also it's very typical, and it's really weird that they broke up this arc this way, right? Yeah. It's like this hard break, and now to establish stakes, we have to have a rape threat, which Asta has to overcome. I mean, and he does so effortlessly, so it's basic hero stuff. Yes. With new buff Asta. Yes. Now the girls like him even more. Yes. I do love the bit where the one guy's like, I honestly didn't expect the dude with no magic to get stronger by training with us somehow. Like, all right, we've got a training regimen that can help your like high-level mages get better. How did this kid get better? He doesn't have any magic. He was doing push-ups while he did it. <laughs> yeah, but it just it seemed really funny to me that yeah, uh, no, it's they're, good. They're going to explain it, but I just love the all right. So we're going to put you through magic training. How did the kid with no magic get better through magic training? I like the idea that someone in the Heart Kingdom just has a set of weights, <laughs> and, which is unfound technology in the Clover Kingdom. And now that Asta can you know use fitness equipment, he can get even more swole. Yes, I think there is a bit of that, but I think there's also going to be a lot of like he f- he's learning yeah. how to use his key. I assume so. In battle. So it was like more of an experience training thing. So it was like, it's not like he went through specific magic training, but the fact that he got to spar against high level mages. I also um, really like the cliffhanger on it, but it has nothing to do with the rest of the chapter. Which no. It kind of hurts well, the, well, and the it's entirety also, of the chapter to me. The cliffhanger is also very jarring for me because didn't the, like, the start of the six months later was, you know, hanging out over like some like flying over some vista yeah and then it's like all right here's the cliffhanger you know is flying over this vista asta goes over here now yuna's you know's beaten to a pulp and in front of the orphanage that he grew up in what that that seemed fast i thought he was like literally just hanging out over there unless (laughs) that was before the six months and this is after but that's my assumption but yeah it is that that was just my thing i was like he seemed fine 30 seconds ago (laughs) what happened what happened what do you have at 12? At 12, I have Mission You as a Cure Family. I liked this one. Like, I liked the whole thing of the the disguise brother. I guess I'm going to call him because I don't remember his name. Was like, oh, yeah, I took this mission to actually, like, help this girl out for free, even though she couldn't afford me. Because he's like, I'm his, you know, his tenant is like, I'm here to have fun. Yeah, and, uh, and emotionally manipulating a Yakuza man by showing him the person he loves one last time seems fun. Well, he wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, that's true. Like, he even said he was like, all right, so she gave me a message in case my first ruse failed. Yeah. Like, initially, he was just supposed to sneak in as her, get the files and get out. And then that guy showed up and he was like, yeah, no, this is fine. I'm glad that I got to see her one last time kind of thing. I was like, that's cool. I put Mission Yuzakura family higher. Uh, on today's theme, the emotions just really got to me, even though I can't really tell you why. Okay. The more I think about it, it's probably the depression is real bad. So all the emotions are real strong in me. That makes sense. I mean, I could see how that makes sense. I have Yui Kamiyo at 12. Hmm. I liked it fine, but there was a lot of, I don't want to say deus ex machina, but it was it was a lot of escalation, I guess. Yes. And it seemed like it was pretty fast. Kito getting sliced to ribbons and then being fine, which makes sense. It's been set up. Yeah. Well, also, they're not technically in the real world. Yeah, that's true. They're in like a mirror. Although I thought he was in the real world. Does he like slip in? 
No, I'm pretty sure he slips in. Okay, I feel like he does when he's cut up, though. Maybe yeah. it's before that. I Either way, like that that was my assumption, was that he's in this weird mirror world. I mean, they kind of make mention of the fact that he could have reconstituted himself even if he was in the real world, because it was like, oh, all, all the parts of the Mushi can, like, reform as long as they're not slain, I guess. Yeah. Or, so it's like, oh, I can, like, reconstitute myself. That's pretty cool. And Chain Monk coming out of nowhere seemed like it was out of nowhere. And the Declaration of Love isn't bad, but again, it's very escalating. It feels like there's not much more room for the series to go after this. Yeah. It definitely needs wrap-up, but... And maybe it's about to be canceled, or maybe the author is done with it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's been doing poorly, so he's like, let's just kind of like end it, as yeah. opposed to let it go until it gets canceled. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I, I didn't dislike it. I gotcha. It didn't do a lot for me. Uh, so I have Black Clover at number 11. I don't have much else to say about it. I said pretty much everything when we talked about it. I have Haikyuu at 11, and I don't know if I have much to say about it either. Sure. I have Chainsaw Man at number 10. I'm trying to remember exactly what happens in this one. Uh, bomb Girl uses bomb powers to chase to car chase them. Yes. Another fiend shows up to slow her down for a second. Denji screams about how women is the devil. Yes, that <laughs> that that was the bit that I liked in there. Uh, it wasn't just that women is the devil. He was like, I just realized something. Literally every woman I meet tries to kill me. <laughs> yep. And it's like, yeah, no, that's that's not a that's that's not a hyperbole. Literally every single woman he has met has tried to murder him at some point. Yep. I also love the, the one lady that keeps threatening to quit when she gets confronted by the bomb girl is like, oh, please, God, no, I'll quit. I'll leave. I'll never do anything again. Like, yep. apparently that's her superpower. Oh, let me just, uh, you know, let me do the pity, uh, pity stance and they'll leave me alone. So I like that bit, but it wasn't like super amazing. I put double Taisei at 10. I get I think I talked about all the reasons I liked it. I'm a little curious about where it can go from here. But I didn't dislike the chapter. Yep. So I had Dr. Stone at number nine. It's mostly just a bunch of fight. I feel like there's a bunch of preamble to the fight. I really liked Dr. Stone this week. Yeah. I... There was a point where I thought Dr. Stone might be my number one and Dr. Stone reboot might be my number 19. I really like the way Hugo, like in talking to Mozu, decides to help Senku. And the way that he's like, yeah, I value like intelligence and stuff where Mo he's like so what kind of women would you allow to live in our ideal society moves he's like i don't know just the pretty ones yep because he wanted like, he wanted strength and i do like that moses like oh i need to like get the answer this guy wants yes and he gets it completely wrong yeah i really like that bit i like i said i just put it much higher so yeah it's not that i didn't like it i was just like all right yeah yeah i mean it's in your top half I have Mission Yuzakura family at nine, and again, I don't know how I have much to say about that either. Mm -hmm. I have One Piece at number eight. I just, I, it didn't click with me as it did with you, apparently. Yeah. No, so. that's fair, totally fair. I don't think it's a great chapter. It just, uh, the feels were real yep. for me. I put Chainsaw Man at eight because I, like, thought the bomb demon flying like Bakugo was cool, and the bit at the end is good. Yeah. I have Demon Slayer at number seven. I do as well. Yeah. It just, like you said, that kind of just muddy action. Yeah, which is so uncharacteristic for Demon Slayer. Yeah. And also, like like I said, not a whole lot happens. It's basically like, oh, no, we need to get outside. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of setup. 
but it didn't. Tendra throws a sword at Muzan's head, but it's not as cool as you want that to be. No. It's not like it's part of an actual attack. It's more of like a distraction thing of like, which is funny to think about that he distracted him by throwing a sword through his skull. But that's really what it felt like was he was like, oh, no, it doesn't he's going to like a pivotal or important distraction either. though. It just I, feels I, a little like... bit because he was going to he was going to take out. Yeah, no, I get guy, it, but it doesn't feel that. Way, yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it was just kind of like, eh, pocket sand. <laughs> exactly. What do you have at six? I have Yukimio at six. Okay. I actually liked the bit with Kito. I especially like the fact that when he realizes he can re- reconstitute himself, like the first thing he tries to do is get his tongue back so in his head. So he can head. talk to Yui so because talk, she yeah. talked her down. That is really good. And the the chain monk didn't surprise me as much because I hadn't realized that he had been the one talking to the mirror girl when we first met her. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. So like I said, it didn't surprise me as much, but it was really just that, come back here, tongue, I need to speak to Yui. That really got to me. I mean, it's a good bet. I have We Never Learn at six. I did like Fumino realizing, oh my God, I am in love with Yu-Gi-Oh. But also I really disliked that, oh, what you say? Yeah, I had Act Agent number five. I liked it a lot more than you, but yeah, I don't clearly. have much more to say about it. I have Samurai 8 at number five. Again, some muddy action. And while I do like Hachimaru flying up to his master to help him, like that's a really good bit. Yeah. There is like a break in action. Like they try to play it off like a surprise by having Hachimaru on the ground and then in space. Yeah. But there's like a weird distance thing there. That I don't think ruins the chapter. But. Yeah. It was my number four for I, I don't have much more to say about it either. Like I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting and this will be cool to see where this goes. I have one piece at four, and we've talked that to death. Yep. I have We Never Learn at three. I guess I just liked it a bit better than you. Like Definitely. I still had some of the same thoughts on it. I do. Like, I'm just used to the trope at this point. I love you, huh? What? <laughs> what did you say? Like, it was a little annoying that they at least didn't even try to make an excuse of why he couldn't hear her, but eh. I have My Hero Academia at three. Not a great chapter, like I said. The I shouldn't say not a great chapter, but the Joker stuff was just real. Like, oh, you put the Joker in here, huh? Yep. But all the stuff in the car was real fun, and all the stuff at the house beforehand yep. was also really good. Yeah. It's my number two, and I didn't immediately draw the Joker analog because I'm not as big of a Batman fan as you are. It just was super strong on there to me. Yeah. Well, like I said, you're a yeah. giant Batman fan. I am fan. a giant Batman fan, but I also feel the Joker is a... No, like it's pretty a, well it, known. It's a good fit, and I like I know the Joker, but because I'm not a huge Batman fan, I wouldn't immediately make that thing. Like it makes sense when you said it, but it didn't click to me when I was reading it. And I did just like this chapter. I have the Promise Neverland at number two, which you have at number one. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the emotions really worked for me. There was just something not off about it, but. I guess it was a little anticlimactic that that's the way the queen dies. It makes sense. It's thematically good. Yeah. It just, that's the only reason it's number two instead of number one. I gotcha. So what do you, all right, I guess we can talk about why yeah, I put I, it I, I one. assumed you bet we would roll into there before I said my number one. So I just, again, the uh, meme of Omai wa mo shinderu. Yeah. I think I'm getting that right. It's pretty great, especially because she literally explodes just like they would in that. And I just, I kind of liked that, that they didn't have to 
pull some crazy stunt to try and kill her. They didn't have to do anything. It's like, you're already dead. And I just kind of liked that that was kind of like a subversion of the typical shonen thing of it wasn't like, oh, I'll use my hidden evil blooded witch powers to take you down. It was like you already defeated yourself. I like that, too. I think that would have worked a lot better as a cliffhanger, though. Yeah. Which it almost was, but not quite. Not quite, but I I could see you there. And again, like I said, I really like the bit where the evil blooded witch is like, I finally figured out what my purpose was after spending like 700 years trying to figure it out. And it's not like she just figured it out now, but that's why she started. She was like, when I met Emma, I finally figured it out that my purpose is to change the world. Yeah, that's good. I have Dr. Stone at number one. Like I said, I just really liked it this week. The confrontation between Mozu and Hyuga. I got you. I really like that. I really liked some of the fight scenes in there. And the way like Senku has to like slowly tiptoe his way out of the middle. Yes. I got uh, you. I've been really liking Dr. Sun lately. So that is reflected here. All right. That does it for Jump Card. Join us after the break when we will be reading My Hero Academia Volume 6. So we read Volume 6 of My Hero Academia this week, and I don't know if I'll have as much to say about it as Volume 5, if just because Volume 5 is, to me, one of the high points of My Hero Academia. Yeah. But this is also an important volume as well with the Stain stuff. Unfortunately, Stain got introduced last volume, and I talked about a lot of what I think it makes him great visually then. Mm-hmm. There's more of that here. There's, in particular, the way his tongue is drawn is so realistic. Yeah. And creepy as hell because it's like, it doesn't look human. It looks, I'm trying to think of, there's an animal that has that kind of, it's like pebbled almost and extremely long is the, at least the way it's drawn. I can't think of, I, I know there's an animal that has a pebbled tongue like that and I just can't think of what it is. Uh, you can do like we do on last time on video games and you can just shout it out right before we end the podcast when it comes back to you. Yeah. Only I probably won't. <laughs> We get more Shoto in this chapter, or this volume as well, and his continuation, which is really nice, but again, it's all stuff that was stronger in the previous volume. Yeah, and we also don't, like, unfortunately, we don't get the resolution of the Stain fight in this volume, which I think has a lot more of the good points of Stain to talk about, because, like, we don't, we hear a bit of his ideology, but, like, I feel like more of it comes out after he's been defeated. We get, in particular, his admiration of Deku here. Yeah. And like him telling Ida, hey, save that person before you try any sort of revenge or anything. I, I do really like that part where Ida shows up and he's like, I'm here to defeat you, villain. You killed my brother. I'm here for revenge. And his first response is like, hey, save that guy over there. Like, what kind of hero doesn't show up in a situation where I'm about to murder a guy? Without saying, I'm here to save you. And then on the reverse side where Deku shows up, he's like, Ida, I'm here to save you. And uh, Ida's like, you're not wanted here. And Deku's like, well, I mean, it's like All Might said, 
sticking your nose into where you're not wanted it is the essence of being a hero and there's just that light in Stain's eyes of like huh you're actually worthy of letting live please get it out of the way so I can murder these two people now yes like I said don't get me wrong it's very good and Stain as a villain is really interesting in particular the way they make Tomura put him over which if you're not familiar is a wrestling term that gets but it applies a lot to shonen anime and it basically is when one wrestler purposely loses to another, mm-hmm. another to make him look strong. Although with Tomura, they specifically make him look like a brat who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Which we already kind of knew he was. But when you put him up against Stain, it's contrasted so much. I think this is one of the things that really hurts Tomura as a character, especially early on. Yeah. And I know Tomura does get better. We've seen it. But I, like I've said before, I feel like that happens just a little too late in the story. Yeah. Especially after... There's such a strong villain in Stain right here. Yeah, and I totally feel that. But at the same time, Tomura's never been much of a fighter to begin with. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about, like, presence. Yeah. Yeah, just to... I do I do understand. I, I was thinking more of the... In the actual fight, it's like, well, yeah, of course Stain took him out. Stain is yeah. an amazing hand-to-hand combatant. But even that they kind of play off afterwards, where... Tomura's like, now I'm going to get her, or like, he grabs the sword and disintegrates it. Yeah. I mean, more of Stain's dressing down of him. Yeah. Which is stuff we've already seen. We've seen All Might talk about him like a child throwing a tantrum. Yeah. Which he does again here. Yeah. I still, I like it. I think it might take, I agree with you, it takes a little bit too long for him to kind of mature, but uh, one of the things I really like is, so Tomura throws the tantrum, and then... Kurugiri, the teleport dude, is talking with All for One and is like, hey, like, should I be allowing this to happen? And him being like, listen, in order to be a good teacher, you need to teach your students how to find their own answer. Telling somebody something does them no good. Which is contrasted to the way Gran Torino is trading Deku right at that moment. Yes. Where he's letting Deku figure out what he needs to do. Yeah, and... They're both commenting, they actually both comment on how crappy All Might is, as specifically as a teacher, which even he comments on. He's like, well, he's got that for dummies, Buck. <laughs> yeah, but like he he's getting better over it, yeah. at it, through the course of the series. But that's something else I like, is that he starts out as a crappy teacher. Like, well, I don't know how to teach anybody, I've never done it before, kind of thing. And the two of them kind of being like, no, you need to let them find the answer rather than just tell them the answer and i do i did really like that bit where it's like ah tomer is acting like a whiny kid yeah just give him time i'm gonna let him try and find the answer by himself and that will be better for him than me just telling him no you're an idiot you need to do it this way and speaking of grand torino i do really like the character the way he's introduced i don't think is that great the author specifically says he goes the Dagobah route with him, which I get, but Gran Torino goes from like weirdly acting like a old man to suddenly I'm going to teach you too fast, I think. With Yoda, it's a test that yeah. Luke fails, where the Gran Torino just is like, oh, I'm an old man. I dropped ketchup on myself. Ah, oh, being an old fogey. Oh, I'm actually super competent. Ha ha. And I don't really think it lands. Yeah, but... I also like the contrast where it's more, this is just how Gran Torino fucks with people, is he pretends to be the senile old man, but he's like still hyper competent. 
even in his old age. I guess there's no punchline to it, though. No, not really. Like, it's not like this is a gag and he's done with it after a while. Like, this is just literally how he acts. Like, I get to pretend to be the old man because I'm an old man. But I get to pretend to be the senile old man. And that will, like, if I do it constantly, that will probably have people get caught off guard. You know, oh, that's just some old codger, the old crazy ex-hero. And then he's suddenly like, no, I'm still hyper-competent. I do really like Deku's fight with Gran Torino. We were talking a lot this week about kind of muddled action scenes, but this isn't that at all. No. Particularly because you have all the motion lines off Gran Torino, which just paint a huge vivid picture. Yeah. And how close Deku is always getting to landing a blow on him. All the panels look super good, and they yep. don't skip on close-up panels to clarify the action when necessary. Yeah. Yeah, definitely really like the fight scenes between him and Gran Torino. And I also like that Gran Torino is like, all right, so you've been doing it against me for a little while, but you need to fight other people because otherwise you're just going to be the best at fighting me. And that's not a good plan. <laughs> Very few people are me, statistically speaking. <laughs> yes. But I also love how in the Stain fight, Deku's movements, they call out them being like Bakugas, but they're drawn like Gran Torino's yes. to help show the motion. Yeah, because he's he's doing the motion. He can't do the midair stuff yet like Bakugo can, but, and also it's kind of Ida calling out that it's like Bakugos and neither yeah. of them have seen Gran Torinos. True. It reminds me a lot more of in the anime, even when Deku's fighting Nighteye and he's like, oh, he's fighting like Gran Torino bouncing all over the walls. And I kind of like how Deku is ab like absorbing, absorb yeah, things. absorbing people, which is what his quirk does. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, say, his new quirk now, I guess. He's got Gran Torino's quirk, it turns out. So I'm super excited to see him use that eventually. Does he have Gran Torino's quirk? He has them all. Everyone who had all for one. But did Gran Torino actually have it or wasn't? wasn't I'm he... pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he's in the line of succession like when Deku sees everyone. I didn't think he was. I thought this is definitely something to look up. Uh, I'm going to do a Google right now. Because I thought he just he trained... Do we even know her name? We the do not. All Might's trainer. Like, I knew they were, like, partners or something like that, but I don't think he ever had all for one, or one for all. Maybe I am just wrong. Yeah, I guess you're right. For some reason, I thought he did. Yeah, but I knew he was partners with all for one's predecessor. Yeah, there we go. That's the right and word. And also one for all. I think we've been saying it wrong the entire time. One for all is the good one. Yes. All for one is the bad guy. I, we, I might have gotten that screwed up. Uh, hopefully, I think I've been we've been doing it the whole time. I just realized when I was reading that. No, I'm pretty sure I called him All for One when we were talking about Tomura, but I yeah. might have started calling it All for One when we were talking about the quirk. Anyway, but I do like that he's absorbing people's fighting styles, but then he's like, in the anime, he's kind of realizing, I need to put my own spin on it. I need to do kicks real good. <laughs> well, I... Again, I, I love he, he always gets inspiration by these stupid, silly ideas. Oh, I put all this Takeyoki in the microwave and I got cold because the plate wasn't spinning. <gasps> I can't run with my arms. <laughs> I mean, that was that, like as silly as that was. I'm like, I really like these. Like, yeah. these are the silly things that makes him go. <gasps> and this is I the desperately want him to have an epiphany toilet moment. <laughs> This anyway. is also the volume that introduces the full cowling, and I really like the way it's drawn. It's very Kaioken. Yeah. But 
there's a part of me that doesn't like full cowling. I definitely think it was necessary to move the story forward, and it probably came at the right moment. But part of the reason I like that Shoto Deku fight so much is that Deku's got a super limited, like, resource count that you can see in his body. Yeah. And the hook of him destroying himself every time he uses his power is a lot of what drew me to the series. And I, gotcha. I think it's good for him to have gotten rid of it while I still wanted more instead of by the time I got tired for it. Yeah. But there's always a part of me that wants to go back to that. Yeah, I just... Part of me doesn't as well. Like, I, I don't really have that moment. I like the fact that... I guess for me, my fighters don't necessarily need to have flaws for their superpowers. I mean, I definitely... I, I am a fan of Superman, so... Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I just... That's what really drew me to Deku's power set. Yeah. Whereas, like, now he's just a Goku. Yeah, but that also, uh, he still injures himself a lot. Like, Yeah, no, I don't think it's like my hero is downhill from here or anything like that. I just have a real love-hate relationship with Full Cowling. I gotcha. I'm waiting for, eventually he's going to have the realization of, he's like, oh, I've got Full Cowling and I need to activate it. I want him to have the realization, why do I ever turn it off? Yeah, well, but that's when he's got to be stronger. And I assume it takes concentration for him he kind of mentions it here yeah but, but he gets to get to that point yeah yeah to to where he gets the point in his career here is like because i mean you know all might never has to think about anything so it's like i don't activate full cowling mode like actually that could be something that happens in the current manga chapters like oh you need to be faster and maybe he'll have the realization what if i never turn full cowling off like yeah. what what if i never pow what what is the point of me powering down like, of course, him. the whole realization here was, well, if I have full cowling active all the time, I can use my power all the time rather than turning it on or off. What if I never turn full cowling off and I'm just super powered all the time and just figure out how to work around that would be something that's like, oh, that's how I get that quarter of a second faster, which is makes all the difference in this thing is yeah. what if I never what if I never turn off? Yeah. I can't wait till the anime gets to uh, infinite 100%. But... Oh, man, that is going to be so good. I am so looking forward Every to that Every episode, fight. I'm like, I know it wasn't going to happen this episode, but can we move this just... And this was a good episode, good pacing. You're going through this quickly. Can we get a little faster? <laughs> just a little faster? Part of me also doesn't want it to go a yeah, little... That, like... No, that's fair. That's totally fair. I think they're actually doing a really good job with it. Yeah. But, uh, man, do I want to see that. I really like the last episode of the anime. The I love... Kirishima, yeah. Kirishima, with his Red Riot thing, and it's just like <laughs> him finally realizing, like, ah, I need to be the hero, and then him getting the recognition of the people in the alleyway of like, hey, young kid, like, that was awesome, you helped us out a ton, you know, I'm gonna remember your name, and I just, I really liked that moment where he was like, you know, oh, I've been struggling, where I've got to deal with, like, I'm comparing myself to Bakugo, Todoroki, and Midoriya, who have these super flashy moves, and I'm like, I make myself hard, and I'm like, a tank. And then him realizing, well, just because I'm a tank doesn't mean that I'm not important and not needed. Yeah, I was kind of expecting a lot of the stuff that I think happens in Kirishima's second fight in this arc to happen here. Some of it was alluded to. Yeah. But but I still like the episode as well. Plus, Sun Eater might have my favorite quirk. Um, hey, Sun Eater's great. I forgot that his name was Sun Eater, too. It's a good name. And... Yeah, that that is an that is an amazing quirk, and I like that even everyone else in there is like he's got an amazing quirk. Like even Fat Gum is like the main reason he's one of the big three is he's just like he's not like 
meet no. Uh, Togata. Togata, where he's got pro-level control over his quirk, but he's almost there. Like, he's as strong as a pro-level hero right now. The only problem he has is his personality. His self-confidence. Yeah, if he could get over that, he'd be amazing. Like, he's amazing now. Imagine if he wasn't, you know, depressed all the time. <laughs> I think about that. I think that about myself quite often. Yes. Anything else you wanted to say about this volume instead of looking forward? I do like the uh, naming themselves bit that we kind of... Yeah, that was over. actually my only note that I didn't bring up. There was, there was something that Minata said in there that had me, uh, that I thought was funny. And I, it was like right before, I can't remember what it is now. It, it's going to bother me. But he just, he said a line that had me laughing. And it just, I like the classroom bits of My Hero as well. You know, like, all right. We just had the sports festival. What's coming up next? Oh, you're picking hero names. <gasps> Ooh. And they get to have like the fun school event where they're all picking hero names. And there's Lord Death Murder and Lord Explosion Death. <laughs> and King Death Murder. <laughs> I still love that Bakugo still doesn't have a name. Uh, he'll get there eventually. The Grenadier would not be terrible. No. Although it sounds like a drink. It does. But I, I like a lot of the naming conventions. I like the the slight little, so some of the end pages of the for the manga volumes that the even the author is like yeah so i'm kind of like drawing a blank on what to put on these blank pages so uh here's some like costume ideas or like here's like my costume explanations and then he's got when pinky or mina yeah i think is giving her first an alien queen it's like I know technically it's uh, the second Aliens movie, which was directed by Cameron, but that's why she was the Ridley hero and not the Cameron hero, because more people would have understood it, because everyone thinks of the Aliens franchise as Ridley Scott's thing. I feel like people think of uh, good sequels being James Cameron's thing, but I guess now Avatars is James Cameron's thing. Yeah. Well, I like I get where he was coming from. Where that's I mean, I tend to think of the Aliens franchise as a Ridley Scott thing, even though Cameron directed the second one. But like the first one was still good. So And no one remembers who directed Terminator One. Nope. Yeah, so it's not like my hair academia is bad after this. This is still a really good arc and the stain fight's really, really good. I just don't think it has the impact of the previous one. No, but that was also like it's your favorite arc, and that was the climax to it. And this, yeah. like, I feel like maybe this my is favorite arc. The current arc, the anime is on, also very, very good, super solid. But I, I feel like this was definitely riding that energy wave of the climax of the last volume very well. Like I, I really like this volume too. We get a hint at the climax of this one with Ida kind of realizing, like, oh, I've been an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Which is totally true. Like I, that's one of the things I like about the Stain fight is a lot of the fight isn't about them physically beating Stain. It, a lot of it is about Ida realizing I am being an idiot. Yeah, I'm not being a hero at all. And like Todoroki and Izuku don't have that problem because they come in to save Ida, or I guess Todoroki comes in to save Deku. Uh, Deku. But but they came in to save somebody. Like oh, you two are actually like functioning like heroes versus Ida, I'm here to avenge my brother. This is the whole reason that I'm doing this, man. Like, you people have lost your way kind of thing. Yeah. All right. I think that just leaves us with personality power level then. Yeah. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is a segment where we rank manga characters. 
from best to worst. At the very top is Uzumaki Naruto, who is not a My Hero Academia character. At the very bottom is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha, who's worse than every My Hero Academia character, I think. Yeah, even the <laughs> basically nameless, no-face villain, or not the nameless villains in the USJ arc still have more character than that guy. Dead center, we have Buggy the Clown from One Piece. So who do you want to rank this week, Kevin? Hmm. I'm tempted to say Ida, but... Ida makes a lot of sense to me. I almost think that next week would be better to rank him, because that's where he has his big break. Yeah. So I, th- I, I, thinking about it, like, saying it out loud makes me realize that next week would be a lot better for ranking Ida. So we could rank Uraraka. I know she's not, she's in this volume, but she doesn't do a whole lot, but she doesn't have another really big moment for quite a while. Yeah, ranking Uraraka, whose name I can't say, would be weird, just because she's be our first love interest we're putting on the list. And she's weird in the regard that they haven't messed her up yet. Yeah. But I'm very, very dubious about the fact that they won't. We could do her if you want, though. I like this is getting hard. It was way easier when it was like, all right, who are ranking? Well, we well, got to rank Bakugo. Like, sh- yeah. <laughs> Bakugo, Shoto. That's the <laughs> problem right. with doing a series over and over again is eventually you got to pick someone. Yeah. But I, the other problem is we're ranking my hero characters and it's like, They're all right, which ones good. would you? Yeah. I was like, which one of these amazing characters would I like to rank? Mm. I'm not against Araka if that's who you want to do. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so right about bug above Buggy, we have Tomura Shigaraki, and I think she's definitely better than him. Yeah. The next bu- uh, My Hero character we have on the list, though, is Bakugo, and I don't think she's quite as good as Bakugo. As much as I like her more, she hasn't had the screen time. She hasn't really had the depth. No. they. And I think it's just basically the lack of screen time that's, like, she's had, actually, you know, thinking on it, that now is actually a pretty good time, because this is just after her big break of, like, realizing, oh... I need to like actually be serious about being a hero. But I do agree. She's gotten a lot less screen time than Bakugo and has had less character growth. She's had some, which is nice. And I do like her more, but that's because Bakugo is more meant to be the he's your asshole friend. Like everyone has one. It's yep. like, all right, this is Bakugo. He's the asshole, but he's die, our black, asshole. Die, black, <laughs> die. Ah, so good. That is definitely one of my favorite, just small, tiny little gags. Uh, This is how Bakugo brushes teeth, die black. Uh. Below Bakugo, a few spaces, we have Bulma, and I don't think she's as good as Bulma either. We're definitely closer there, but I feel like Bulma has a stronger personality, and she's really set in stone. Yeah, well, and Bulma's also had a lot more stuff. time, yeah. Yeah. Right below Bulma, we have Claire from Claymore, though. And I'm tempted to put her above Claire. I did like Claire quite a bit, but she doesn't have nearly as much personality, or at least she didn't in that volume. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the problem. Yeah, Um, we've only read the one volume with her. We've only read the one volume of her, and she is like a statue (laughs) in the first volume. Like, eventually, you know, that's kind of like her thing, and that's cool and all. But I, I would agree that's... I like her more than Claire, so. So, Ochiko Uraraka will go at number 15, above Claire and below Bulma. What? She's not going to be number eight. And that will do it for next for next week. Yeah, now next week's podcast is over. Good job, Kevin. Time yeah. Travel. That'll do it for this week. 
Join us next week when we're going to read Lucky Volume 7 of My Hero Academia before we move on to something else for December. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emmerich. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can check out our other podcasts. And depending on if Tyler has posted it yet or not, the last episode of It's a Gundam's Gundam Seed Recap it should be up. So if you want to binge that, you can. I'm very proud of the way that podcast turned out. It's not ending, but it's definitely the end of a chapter in that podcast. And you can also find our other shows in our Discord there. Anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right. Have a great week, guys. Stop.